Praise the Lord. Yes. We've got good news for you. Not only is Jesus alive, but Tennessee's winning. Uh, me and my new buddy here, we're uh, so in tune with, with God, we decided to check the score on ESPN right before I started. Fourth quarter, they're up, what, 21? 21, 31, something like that. So, it really doesn't make me any difference because Texas A&M's in the West Conference, so. Why'd you get quiet? Like, so I'm an Aggie, I, I went to A&M, so. I'm a Texas boy. Yeah, Y'all got real quiet. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Um, but I'm a Texas boy, grew up, born and bred Texan, and and like Pastor Tim said, we just we like literally just moved to Florida um, Thursday, and we've been in, in Oklahoma. Well, we pastored for 15 years. We pastored church in Texas, and then for six years, and then we were in Arkansas for nine years. And uh, we turned our church over to some friends two years ago. Moved to Oklahoma, kind of a temporary move till we figured out what we we're doing. And uh, then we just moved to Tampa on Thursday, so. We left Tulsa Wednesday morning at 8, drove to Montgomery, Alabama, three U-Hauls, and then us, uh, along with a, a, a lion here, a rabbit, a, a boxer, um, a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel, uh, six cats, <laughs> not joking, um, two, two horses, a miniature donkey, a goat, and a duck. <laughs> Well, actually, so I, I told Lacey, I, I was jokingly, I said I was going to put on a robe and grow a beard and take a staff. We were going to take a picture of all of it. And, uh, I was going to go as Noah. So my, my wife is like Ellie Mae 3.0. She loves, she loves her animals. She really thinks she's like Jesus to the animal kingdom. And, and that everybody needs to be saved. And that, so it's always been interesting that the anointing is so great on her that no matter where we move to, all of the stray animals of the forest, they always find their way to our house. Anybody anointed like that? Yeah, so she loves her animals. And so we, we, get, we unloaded. We got there to Tampa Thursday at 5 and unloaded everything. Uh, it's about 9, 10 o'clock and then... Yesterday I was looking up washer and dryer and doing all that fun stuff and trying to find underwear and socks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody ever done that before? Yeah, we were, we were going through boxes this morning trying to find something to wear and uh, that flew out. So anyway, so excited to be here with you guys. And um, I like to do this. So is there anybody here? We'll start here. Uh, out of state. Came here. Guys, so y'all y'all are from where again? You told Louisville, Yeah, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky. Saw some other hands go up back here. Where are you from? New Jersey. New Jersey. Both of you in New Jersey? Yeah, awesome. We're at New Jersey. Okay. I just found out we're gonna be in uh, Long Island um, in first weekend of May, I think. Something like that. So all right. What uh, other hands? We got we got pastors back there, huh? Alabama. Alabama, yeah, they got me saved back in April. 
Oh, is that the church? <laughs> Fill the Holy Ghost? Yes, sir. Raise your hand. Montana. Montana. Wow. Awesome. What y'all come from Montana for? This and uh, college business. Oh, wow. What college? Oh, uh, you play you play sports or something? Yep. What do you play? Football. Football. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Indiana. Did you drive? Fly? Drove? Wow. Praise God. Where else? Other states? Anybody else? All right. So we'll narrow it down. So did you come from some other cities? Did you have to drive a couple of hours or something like that with them? Yeah, Miss Jean. Who else? Anybody else drive? Oh yeah, I bet you guys. That I was the door greeter for a while. Where are you guys from? Johnson City. Awesome. Same Johnson City. Did y'all know each other? Y'all might want to meet. Y'all might have some new best friends. Anyone else? Okay. She's pointing at you. Did y'all come somewhere you just didn't want to say? Jefferson City, it's always a shy way. <laughs> you always see those ones pointing at somebody else. Well, thank you guys for coming. It's always an honor. Uh, I, you know, I'm always excited just that people actually show up, you know. Um, and then on top of that, that people would actually spend money and travel and, and take the time to come. It's always very humbling. And, uh, and then some of you got to meet that y'all are actually partners with. And so that's always really exciting for people to come up and say, hey, I just want to let you know I'm partnered with you. And we came from wherever and and, uh, and she, she not only partners but also going through our healing academy and and just so excited if you, if you don't know what that is we've actually started this about two years ago um, it's called the healing academy my one of my very best friends he runs some bible schools in kenya and he had been pushing me for a while to put some stuff together for churches and so we finally did it and it started out for church small groups and then we started having lots of individuals come along and start doing it and so we revamped it, turned it to an actual online school uh, this past year, and um, we've got that that's available, but it's all of that, the curriculum everything is going to be for an in-person like training center that we're going to start up in Tampa. That was one of the reasons of us going uh, next summer, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. just going to be a short-term intensive type of deal. Uh, we haven't gotten the time frame yet. We're looking at maybe you know a six to eight week thing. Uh, you know, we were kind of talking about this at, at our early dinner. Anybody took chemistry in, in school? And you have lecture, and then you have what? You have lab. And so you, you talk about it, but then you get to see it in action. And that's the way it should be with the church. But in the church, we just have lecture. And I'm not talking about Sunday people falling out and dancing and shouting and hanging from the chandeliers. I'm talking about, which that's all fun and, and everything. <laughs> But, and I'll, I mean, I'll be, the, I'll be the one to run with you and the one to jump with you and probably outrun you and outjump you just because I'm competitive too. But, <laughs> but we should also see results Monday through Saturday at the store and at the gas station, at the movie theater. And, and so the world should be able to get more from us than just a good three-point sermon. We should be able to have manifestations from the supposed revelation that we have because if, if you've been around the block for a while you know the last 40 years we've had tremendous uh, information and and much of this has been true revelation but can you really say it's revelation if it doesn't produce 
Because if it doesn't produce, it might just be information to you. And, and I'll be the first to say I don't have it all together. Uh, my doctrine isn't perfect. I can humbly admit that because my results haven't matched up to Jesus every single time yet. But I have been saying this, and I say this humbly. It, it sounds a little arrogant, but understand my heart, and it's this. At least for me, I, I will say for me, before I take my last breath, or Jesus comes back, and we'll include Miss Jean, that what we're doing will look exactly like Jesus. Woo! Now, I can't speak for you. I can't speak for anybody else. But I'm just telling you that that's my attitude. Is you, you really tick me off, but you motivate me when you tell me it can't be done. <laughs> I was always that kid growing up, don't tell me I can't do it. Because I'll spend the rest of my life proving you that you're an idiot, and I can't. <laughs> and I mean... <laughs> I'm even dealing with that with people within my own circles, you know, making comments and stuff. But I don't really care because Jesus is my standard, not some other man. Amen. Thank God for people like John Lake and, and Wigglesworth and Catherine Pullman. And, and thank God for Jack Cole and Lester Summerall and Oral Roberts and Kenneth Hagan. And you can name whatever name you want to. Thank God for all these wonderful men and women and the trails that they've blazed. And thank God for their examples, but they're not my standard. Jesus is our standard. Amen. Jesus came to show us what a man or a woman filled and united with God could do. Amen. And Jesus is the one who said we could do what he did and even greater. Amen. So I don't care what all you unbelieving, spineless, coward preachers out there say it can't be done. <laughs> Jesus said it could. And so I'm not there yet, but I'm a whole lot further along than what I was. Ten years ago, five years ago, one year ago. And I'm very thankful that I don't have to rely on telling you testimonies from other people. I can tell you my own. And I don't have to tell you about the good old days of what happened 20 years ago. I can tell you about what happened a few weeks ago, a few months ago. So let me tell you some stories and then we'll, we'll get into wherever we're going tonight. <clears throat> I don't have any notes, so we're in good shape. So... So these are just some things that's happened just over the last few months. And I tell you this, uh, to inspire your faith, because I, 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 want, you, I want you just excited and, and, and you know, maybe, maybe you were drugged here with someone else tonight and uh, maybe questioned some things. But I want you to hear some of these stories because some of these things are, are things that happened and we didn't even pray for anybody, didn't lay hands on anybody. I mean, I actually just actually believe that the Word of God is so anointed that while we're teaching tonight, tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, people get healed just sitting there. Because my goal is to learn from the, the mistakes of the past. So if you look at the great healing revival, the 40s and 50s, and, and then you look at how healing has been taught over the years, the focus is always to get the believer to get to a man or a woman. But Jesus didn't save you, so you had to run to somebody else to get you what he already got you. So we're trying to get our eyes back on Jesus. And, and this healing thing was actually supposed to be really, really simple. It wasn't supposed to see it got real quiet, but it wasn't supposed to be real complicated. So you can always tell where, where we really are at some things. Because when Jesus sent the 12 disciples out in the 70, he didn't give them, give them a formula and steps and keys. He didn't give them a method. He said, this is what I have. Give it to you. Now go. Yeah. He made them still have to rely on the Holy Ghost. Yeah. 
Jesus didn't heal the blind person the same way every time, the deaf person the same way every time, the leper the same way every time. But we're the ones who've tried to formulize things and, and methodize things. And that's when you show yourself to be an idiot. Because that's when you keep preaching the same thing and not getting results and think you're doing something. So we're, we're, we're working on some things. But here's some stories. So this was just a couple months ago. This was in Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. And... Uh, we did a, man, that was a long weekend. We did a Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. It was long. And Saturday night service, man, we had some stuff breaking out. There was a, there was a lady that was completely deaf in her uh, right ear, and it instantly opened up. Uh, even the pastor got healed. You know God was moving in that church. <laughs> pastor got healed. And some other stuff that's happened, but, but this one was really significant. I don't forget there was a man who was sitting on this side, and I was just going along, and this was kind of toward the end of the service, and we were ministering one-on-one -on -one to people, and I got to this guy, he had his hand raised, and I said, what's going on, sir? And, and he said, well, he said, I was diagnosed with uh, uh, MS 30 years ago. And he said, and I'm always in extreme pain, he said, but when you were over there, he said, this heat came all over me. And he said, I can feel it right now. And I said, well, then you don't need me. And I just walked off. And we started ministering to other people. That was Saturday night. Well, Sunday morning, I, I kind of forgot about it. Didn't even check on him afterwards. Sunday morning, at the end of the service, he comes walking up to me. Now, I know nothing about his history. I know nothing about the past. I didn't even know how serious the condition was he was in. Because he was just sitting there, and I, I walked on. So he comes up to me, and he said, hey, look at me. He's doing like this. This is in, in, the, in the lobby, in the foyer. And I said, hey, man, nice to meet you. He said, no, you don't remember me, do you? I said, no. He said, I was the one last night raising my hand about the MS. I said, oh, yeah, okay. And he said, let me tell you my story. He said, 30 years ago, I was diagnosed with MS. And he said, things progressively were getting worse. And he said, he said, I always used to love riding motorcycles. And he said, about 20 years ago, he said, it got so bad, he said, I really couldn't pop the clutch anymore. So I tied a rope to it. And he said, I pull on it. But he said, and I did that for a while. And he said, but then I started losing strength in my arms so I couldn't get the clutch anymore. So I couldn't ride anymore. And he said, it's gotten so bad to this point that he said, I can barely drive and barely get in and out of the car. And he said, I, I walk with a, a walker, but even with that, I still need support and help to be able to walk. And he said, Saturday night, he said, while you were going around ministering, he said, this heat just came all over me. And he said, I could feel things starting to change in my body. He said, when I woke up this morning, he said, I was feeling a lot better. And his wife sung on the worship team, and she had left early. He wasn't going to come to church that morning. But he said, I was feeling a lot better. And he said, so I got, uh, got my stuff, got into my car, and realized I forgot my cane. And he said, now, I have to have that cane to get around. He said, I realized I was driving, got to my car, didn't have my cane. And he said, I'm feeling a lot better than what I normally do. He said, I get to the church. And he said, I was calling my wife, and she wasn't answering. I called a couple of the ushers. They weren't answering. He said, so I decided just to get out and try to make it into the church by myself without my cane, which he never could do. He said, I get out of the car, and he said, I realized I was healed. <laughs> and he, it, it's one of, to me, it was one of the great, the, it's one of the sweetest testimonies, because and we got this on video, because he said this. He said, look at me. He, he's bending, and he's moving around. He, he's like in his 60s. 
And, and I love this because he looked at me and he said, I feel like I won the lottery. He said, I, I got my life back. Oh, man, I was starting to tear up just right, just me and him. You know, it's kind of a weird moment, guy to guy, tearing up. But like, I, I was just getting a little teary because he said, I feel like I won the lottery. I got my life back. What else can I do now? Oh, I loved it. Didn't even pray for the guy. Didn't lay hands on him. Didn't shandai. Didn't spit. Nothing. <laughs> didn't do anything. But what we were doing that night, we were talking about some things we're going to talk about tonight and tomorrow. That happened for him. Uh, I was over in, uh, so that was in Oklahoma. And it was kind of an independent, charismatic church, whatever you want to call it. I was over in uh, Nairobi, Kenya just a few months ago. There was a woman that was there. And she had had 11 spinal surgeries. And she was, she was like in her late 40s, early 50s. She was all hunched over. And she walked with one of those uh, canes or braces that has the forearm support. She walked with one of those, hunched over, could barely walk. And she said, I, I had 11 surgeries on my spine. Doctors haven't been able to do anything to fix it. And so the short version of it is I walked around. I'd never done this before, but just this thought came. And so I went with it. And I said, angels, take a new spine out of heaven and put it in her back. And I just rubbed along her back. I'd never done that before. And, uh, and so when I did that, I, very, I didn't pray any prayer or anything. I just walked back around to her. And I said, well, how are you doing? And she goes, I can breathe better. And I said, well, why can you breathe better? She said, well, because of things that had happened in the surgeries. She said, it caused me a hunch over and it was pushing my, squeezing my lungs together. She said, I can breathe better. And she said, look, I'm not hunched over anymore. And I said, well, yeah, I didn't even notice that. And I said, well, if that's happening in your body, then imagine maybe what's happening in your spine and in your legs and stuff. I said, let's go ahead and walk a little bit. So she, she has a hold of that cane. So she turned around and went to take one step. And I stopped her and said, no, 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 you don't need that. And so she gets the cane, she throws it down, she takes a couple of steps like normal. I got so excited. This is a church of probably about seven, eight hundred people. I got so excited, I took off running across the front. I'm jumping and shouting. I turn around and she's chasing me. The whole church went nuts. We're jumping up and down and shouting and praising God. And you can imagine, you know, I mean, most American churches are dead. Go over to Africa, I mean, we're woo! We were having fun. And uh, that happened over there. That was, that was the, the first weekend of June. Um, what's another one happened? This was really funny. So this is in Peoria, Illinois. This was, it was an Assembly of God church. And it was funny. This was a Sunday morning. We were doing a Sunday morning and Sunday night. And the Sunday morning uh, service in the Assembly of God church, it was mostly a, more of an elderly uh, type of congregation. There was maybe about 150 people tops in there. And I remember we've been going along about 15 minutes, and I could tell it was just like going over their head. They looked like deer caught the headlights. Just, and this just came up. You ever been talking and you say something and then you're like, oh, I got to get that back. Yeah. <laughs> I've been going about 15 minutes. And I was getting so frustrated. It just kind of came out of my mouth, and I said, well, this is going nowhere. I said it. I really did say it. Not, not exaggerating, not preaching. I really did say it. I said, this is going nowhere. And, uh, and then another thing came out of my mouth. And I said this. Let me prove to you that what I'm talking about is true. So I said, 
Who here has some back issues? Now, this wasn't a word of knowledge. This was America. I knew there was lots of back issues. And there was a lot of elderly people. I knew there was going to be plenty of back issues. And so it wasn't God. It was just fact. And so all these hands go up all over the place. Well, there's one lady sitting on the second row, this chair right here. She has her hand raised. And, uh, and I said, well, ma'am, what's going on with you? She said, well, I've got pain in my lower back. I said, you'll do. Come on. So, <laughs> so, so she's getting up. And I've got a headset mic on like this. And she, she gets up right here. And then right in my face in the mic, she goes, oh, and by the way, I was born with a short leg and a club foot. Now, I don't know about you, but me being faith man, if you're in my position, I was standing there on the inside. I was like, dang it, man. Like, I didn't want hard something like that. Just, I wanted an easy back, you know. And I didn't, you know, I had a good poker face on. I didn't show it, but on the inside, I kind of jumped back a little bit. And I was already frustrated with everybody, and then she brought this up. So what do you do? I just said, hey, let me show to you, or prove to you this, this is true. So she comes up. And uh, the stage was sitting up kind of high, about like this. And so we sit her down on the stage. And, and so I had her take off her, sh her left shoe because it was her left leg that was short in the club foot. And so she takes off her shoe. And then I see this club foot, this foot that's balled up. And I ain't going to lie. On the inside, you just kind of went, whoa. Because it's, it's about looking like this on the stage. And uh, but I'll never forget, she's sitting right there. I'm standing probably about 10 foot away. And I just pointed my, my finger and I, I spoke to her. I said, in the name of Jesus, we command you to grow. And then I began to shake. No, I didn't do anything. I just said, in the name of Jesus, command you to grow. God is my witness. This leg that's sitting like this, it starts moving like this. Now, as it's doing that, the few teenagers that are in the building, they get, grab their phones and they run up. And they start doing like this. And the few people that are in the building that can actually move, they get up and they start getting up there like this. But people start running up there and watching because it wasn't like, didn't just jerk up. But I mean, it, it was obvious. It was very slowly moving. And then once that foot got to right here, the ankle bone got even, all of a sudden that club foot started doing like this. It's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. I wish we would, I wish I've got some video of it. That thing opened up like that. When that happened, I had them. <laughs> And I'm not exaggerating, for four hours that Sunday morning, wow. we started at 10. I mean, every denomination's at the buffet, and we're still in the building. And I mean, it was miracle after miracle after miracle after. There was four sets of deaf ears, completely deaf ears that opened up. There was tumors dissolving. There was a guy, we had two of these happen. And we've got video of one of the guys giving the testimony. This guy had scoliosis so bad. He was in his 70s. So bad, he was wearing a button-down shirt, and the shirt in the front looked like this. Like it was that bad. I'll never forget putting my hands on his shoulders, standing in front of him. And, and whatever I said, as I'm talking, looked down and saw his shirt doing like this. Completely straightened up. And there was a nurse in there that had actually checked them out before we did anything with them. She had verified where the curve was. She checked them out, couldn't find the curve. The back just straightened up. Um, there, was a, there was a man that was in his mid-70s. I love this one. He was in his mid-70s. This is a very, very conservative Assembly of God church. He's in his mid-70s, and he had uh, some, uh, some slacks on. And this is way before skinny jeans were cool. These suckers were tight. And they were tight because 
uh, he had lymphedema. His legs were so swollen from fluid in there that it looked like he had skinny pants on. I mean, it was like spandex. They were super, super tight. And I'll never forget getting down on my, on my knees and I put my hand on his leg. And, and as, we're, as we're saying whatever we're saying, I literally felt the leg shrinking. And you could see, you could see the, the, the tightness that was on it. You could see the material beginning to go down. It freaked him out so bad, he took off running to the bathroom. <laughs> he ran into the bathroom. Now, he, he had wraps on, on his legs, top to bottom, to keep the skin from bursting. He ran into the bathroom, pulled his pants off, pulled off all the wraps, put his pants back on, zipped up, and comes running, I'll never forget it, comes running through the back doors with those wraps yelling, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. And this, 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 this conservative assembly of God, 75-year-old man, showed up to church that night in shorts to show off his legs. This man came in shorts. Just so everybody could see his legs. And, we, and we, we've got video of him giving this testimony at, of the fact that he was talking about, like, you know, before he could, he could push, you know, and leave indentions in this and that. He said, look at even my skin. Like, you know, he got sexy legs now. <laughs> that happened. And then, and then one, of the, one of the coolest, there was a girl in that same service. She was, uh, she was like 19, 20 years old, blonde hair. I remember she had her hair hanging down one side of her face. And her aunt had brought her to the service. Now, this girl had gotten into a really, really bad car wreck about six uh, months prior to that. And it paralyzed the left side of her face. So that's why she was wearing her hair down so you couldn't see. Because it, it almost looked like she had had a stroke. Uh, and she couldn't smile. She had, she had no movement here. And, and this one was just cool because I, I remember she, she's standing over here in the front, standing like this. And, and the aunt's standing here. And I walked up to her and they told me what had happened. And I looked at her and I said, wouldn't it be great to smile? And she said, well, yeah. And we were, we were talking about some things we we're going to talk about tonight. And I said, well, you've seen all the miracles that's been happening. I said, wouldn't it be great to smile? And she said, well, yeah. I said, go ahead and smile. And she said, well, I can't. I said, yeah, you can. Go ahead and smile. She said, I can't. I said, but have you seen all the stuff that's happened in here? And I started reminding her about who we were in Christ and some things we we're going to talk about tonight. I said, I want you to go ahead and smile. I haven't laid hands on her, haven't prayed, haven't in the name of Jesus, Sean Dye, super capital fragilist, I haven't done anything. <laughs> I haven't done anything, I'm just talking to her. I said, go ahead and smile. And she said, well, okay. And so, uh, moved her hair out of her, out of her face. And so, she got the tiniest of the tiny little smirk on this one side. And I should have won an Oscar. I said, oh my God, look at that amazing, big, beautiful smile. I mean, I'm going on and on about this wonderful smile. And I mean, she just got a little bit of a little something. And she goes, really? I said, yeah, I'll do it again. She goes, well, okay. She smiles and it got bigger. I said, do it again. Look at that. That's awesome. Do it again. She smiled again and it got bigger. And it was like the fourth time she smiled, all the feeling came back in her face. All that came back in her face. She was so excited. And then, so the aunt comes back to the Sunday night service. She said, Chad, I've got to tell you, my niece was so excited. We went to the restaurant. She said she was able to smile, but when she went to the restaurant and she got her Sprite and she was able to drink out of a straw for the first time in six months. Now, I don't know about you guys, but ladies, I understand how important it is 
to be able to drink out of your cup and not be getting lipstick all over the place. So, you know, she was so excited. She, she could, because when she tried to drink, she just swabbed her all over the place. Was well, a 19 year old girl. I mean, my goodness. So that's why she would cover up that side of her face. And I'll never forget, it was a few months later, and she sent me a picture. She's all smiles, makeup, got her hair all done. And, you know, had all the feeling come back. No prayer. No laying. Even though we didn't even lay hands on her. Nothing. Just talk to her about who she was. And that's all we, that we've, we've been doing. Uh, we've been doing this for years. But, you know, we're, we're really starting to get known for the healing piece. But in reality, what we're doing is just teaching people who they are. And as a result of finding out who you are, one of the wonderful byproducts is the healing piece. But, but in reality, I mean, even, and that's a, it's a passion of mine. It's something that has to be fixed in the church, if we're just really honest. We, we know that healing's in the Bible. We see that, you know, it's there. We know all the scriptures. We say all the right things, but we're not seeing it like we should. And so we're going to get this thing fixed. But, but how we're getting it fixed is not just doing the same thing the same way. We're teaching it a different way. And what we're doing is we're teaching people who they are in Christ. And what happens is once you find out who you are, then you stop trying to work for something you already have. And then it just becomes a natural byproduct of who you are. So if you have your Bible or your iPad or your phone or whatever you carry the, the Holy Scriptures on, <laughs> all you turn to John chapter 14. And uh, we'll see where we go from here. And I probably, we won't keep you four hours tonight. That's probably tomorrow, boy. No, <laughs> uh, we won't keep you long because I got to see the A&M game. They play at seven, play in Miami. <laughs> uh, Timothy's going to keep me in the loop. By the way, is, is there anybody here that um, maybe you're dealing with like a growth or something behind your eyeball? Somebody watching online, maybe? Don't be one of those ones that after the service comes up to me and says, hey, you know, actually that was me. I just didn't want anybody to see me or anything like that. Well, if that is you, please let me know. While we are just doing worship, that kind of kept coming up. And, and uh, I just always endeavor to go with that. Maybe that's you online. If it is you online, put something in the chat or something and let us know. We want to minister to you. But John chapter 14. In John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, this is Jesus and the disciples, and they're in the upper room. You know, the Lord's Supper, all that type of stuff. And this is happening in those chapters. And so this is like Jesus' really kind of final moments, hours with his guys that he's been traveling with and mentoring and teaching. And, you know, when you're spending your, your final moments with people, you're, you're not going to be talking about the Tennessee football game. You're not going to be talking about politics. You're going to be... If it's me and I'm talking to my child, I'm talking to those who are under me, I'm going to be giving them those things that I know are the most important things for them in life to make sure that they're going to succeed, yeah. right? To, to fulfill what they've been called to do. I'm going to be giving them those type of things. And it's interesting if you look at it from that standpoint, the things that Jesus talks to them about. And in John chapter 14 and in verse uh, 7, Jesus says this. He says, if you had known me, you have known my father, and from now on you do know him, and you have seen him. Now this is important because you need to understand and realize Jesus is saying this as a man. I know he's God, but Philippians chapter 2 says that Jesus, he laid aside everything that gave him an advantage in life. You could say he laid aside his godlike abilities, and he humbled himself and came and did life as a man. 
and we could spend a lot of time on this, but, but if you struggle with that, just to give you some examples, uh, Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. What about doing good and healing all those oppressed by the devil for God was with him? I know that was real fast Texas talk, but it comes down to this. God doesn't need to be anointed, but a man does. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, it says, The child Jesus, he grew not only in stature, which I'm still trying to do. <laughs> Anybody ever tried that Peter Brady thing where you stretch yourself? <laughs> Didn't work. False advertising. You know, where was fact checkers on that one? But uh, he not only grew in stature, he also grew in wisdom. Well, God doesn't grow in wisdom, but a man does. The Bible tells us that God cannot be tempted. But it also tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way, just like us. So, I mean, there's lots of these. You see, Jesus was doing life as a man. He's doing life like us. This is why he's able to be our high priest. This is why he was able to be in the position that he was. He did life like us. And I want you to see it from this perspective that he's looking at his buddies. He's looking at his pals, his friends. He's looking at his ministry partners that he's been traveling with these three years. And he tells them, hey, I just want to let you know, if you ever want to see God, hear from God, look at me, listen to me. Now, that's a pretty bold, brass statement to tell your friends who have been around you, they've smelt you, they've laughed at your dad jokes, you know, they've been around, like they've seen your humanity. Now, yes, they've seen lots of miracles. But I mean, you know, have you ever traveled with some, some guys? Maybe hadn't had a shower in a few days. You start to see their smell, their humanity. And Jesus look at them and say, you've seen me, you've seen him. Now, if you're looking at Jesus saying that as God, that's not that hard to swallow. If you're looking at Jesus as a man saying that, that's a different story. And I think a lot of times we forget that the people we read about in here are real people. With emotions like us, doubts like us, different perspectives like us, bodies like us, brains like, like they're dealing with the same stuff. And Jesus looks at them and says, if you've seen me, you've seen him. I mean, can you imagine if Pastor Tim, I mean, as much as you love him and trust him and this and that, and then one day he goes, hey, you know, we've been talking about God for a long time, but I just want to let you know something. If you've seen me, I'm him. I mean, it just takes on a different type of, you know. And Jesus is telling this to his guys. If you've seen me, you've seen him. From now you know him and you've seen him. And Philip, you see it right here. And Philip goes, I mean, it's almost like, yeah, whatever. Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient to us. Jesus just told him. And, and here's the humanity piece of the guy. Yeah, okay. Lord, just show us the Father, and we're good. And look at Jesus' response. Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? That is extremely bold. I've been with you this whole time. How can you say, show us the Father? If, you, if you've been with me, if you've seen me, if you've heard me, you've seen him, you've heard from him. Yeah. And then he says this, do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? This statement right here, this is like a thread that runs all throughout Jesus' ministry. It's about union. It's about identity. Yeah. 
identification. He said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Jesus talks about this a lot. He talks about it a lot. Most Bible scholars will tell you that the book of John represents about 19 days of Jesus' life and ministry. 19 days. And in 19 days, I would encourage you one time, at least once, go read through the book of John and look at how much Jesus talks about his union with the Father in 19 days. I mean, it's like almost like Jesus come up with something else because this is all you're talking about. Come up with a new message, you know, study a little bit, do something. Union, union, union. The Father in me, the Father with me. The Father's nev never left me alone. It's the Father on the inside of me doing the work. The Father who sent me, He's with me. He's always talking about His union and His relationship with the Father. He's always talking about this. So, so He's talking about this, and then I want you to notice the next statement. He said, the Father in me and I in Him, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells where? The Father who dwells in me, He's the one doing the works. So this right here, if you ever encounter a really smart Christian who wants to tell you that the reason Jesus was able to do miracles because He was God, you point him to the Scripture and say, hey, read your Bible. Because even Jesus Himself said, the reason I get miracles is because it's the Father on the inside of me that's doing the works, not because I'm something special. This is where you pull out the shotgun and you start blowing over the sacred cows. Ba -boom. <laughs> Jesus said, it's the Father on the inside of me that does the work. Now, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but if you believe in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and I haven't met one, one Christian of any particular denomination that does not believe that God comes to live on the inside of you, and if He's your Father and He's in you, Come on, little Bible scholars. <laughs> Jesus attributes the miracles to the Father being on the inside of Him. And I don't care if you're, if you're Baptocostal, running with Jesus in the fullness, Church of God in Christ, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian Church. We all believe that when you receive Jesus, God comes to live on the inside of you. Well, if the same Father comes to live on the inside of you that was on the inside of Jesus, that right there. I mean, a kindergartner can figure that out. <laughs> if we got the same Father and He's on the inside of us just like He was Jesus, that means we can do miracles too. Even if Jesus stopped right there, a kindergartner can figure that part out. You have to go to church to mess it up sometimes. I truly believe some, some people are so smart so they walk through the church doors, they take their brain, they stick it on the floor, and then they come and take their seat. Because, I mean, some of this is it's just like one plus one equals two. Like, it's right here. But then, for the ones who couldn't figure it out, Jesus says this, Believe me, here it is again. Believe me that what? That I'm, this is, this is my, my very creative illustration here, but it's... It's so simple, it's stupid, but it works. Jesus said, believe me that what? I'm in the Father, almost like putting on a costume. Anybody ever dressed up before? Yeah. Huh? You put on that costume, you step into the costume, you know, you get in there, you zip it up. He said, believe me that I'm in Him, in the Father, and the Father is in me. 
or, notice this statement, or believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Now that's a preacher with a backbone. We could use some of those today. We could use some of those preachers who will actually preach it and say, if you don't believe what I'm saying, believe what you're seeing. Isn't it interesting that when John the Baptist, you know, this is the guy who baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. He's the one who announced him as the coming one, the Messiah, the Christ. He said, hey, this is the dude we've been praying for, believing for, waiting for. And this same guy, John the Baptist, who announced him a little while later on, sends his disciples to Jesus and said, hey, are you really him? Are you really the one we've been waiting for? And Jesus' response is awesome because he doesn't respond immediately. He goes and heals the sick, raises the dead, casts it. He, he, he does all these miracles. Then he tells John's disciples, now go back and tell John what you've seen and you've heard. He didn't tell his disciples, go back and tell John how many books I've written, how many TV stations I'm on, how many partners I have, the millions of dollars I have flowing into my ministry. All the tens of thousands of people that are showing up. He didn't tell them to go back and, and show them, tell them about all the people that we've fed and all the people that we've clothed. See, that's what churches do today. The church today is a social service organization. When we want to talk about the great things we're doing, we talk about all the natural things an evil person does for a tax write-off. Man, y'all see the people, all the people we, we gave bikes away to and all the people we fed. And Yeah, but where's the miracles? Where's the supernatural? Where's that piece? See, the church is supposed to be a supernatural organization. A supernatural organization that also feeds the poor and, and helps people, does that type, not bases the success of our ministry on natural stuff. Thank God for the ability to do that. And we see that Jesus did those things. But when it came to proving who he was, he based it on the miraculous. He based it on the supernatural. And this is what Jesus said. He said, believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Or else believe me for the miracles. Believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Because what, what, what you see, it'll back up what I say. Now that right there is the reason that the, church, that, that the world doesn't respect the church today. You know, over the last two years, I mean, we found out really where the church is at. And, and for, <laughs> for, the, for two years, the church was going, we're essential. We're essential, we're essential, we're essential. Baby, you ain't essential if you don't have something they don't already have. Yeah, but you don't realize we're essential. We got to tell people about Jesus. They don't care about your Jesus. What they care about is paying my bills. What they care about is not dying and, and, and being on a vent. But you know what? The church failed and failed miserably. Now the church was giving out food and giving out clothes and giving out diapers and giving out Walmart gift cards, but nobody was giving out miracles. What would have happened if the church actually would have had a backbone as a whole? I know there was people, individuals, and, and certain groups, but as a whole, as if the church stood up and said, hey, we really believe in this healing stuff, and we so much believe in it, we'll either get people healed or you can shut us down and send us to jail. Like we so believe in it, you can, you can, you can put all your trust in us and you don't have to send any money to Moderna and Pfizer. We'll take care of it. And if we don't, shut us down. I mean, maybe what would happen if, the, if, if there was a church as a whole that, that was acting like that? Maybe, just maybe, the world would actually respect the church. They don't have to believe what you say. 
But they can still respect you. They can still respect us. And, and, and I personally believe that, that the COVID thing was a wake-up call, you know, for the church to, to show us really where we're at and, and, and also to prepare us because you know very well there's going to be other stuff coming down the pipeline. Some of it man-made, some of it natural. But there's going to be some stuff coming down the pipeline that there's not going to be a vaccine, there's not going to be a pill, there's not going to be anything there, and it's going to be a wonderful opportunity for the church to rise up and say, let me show you my Jesus. Not, not, not just tell you, let me show you my Jesus. Because the world's been hearing a whole lot of teaching. I mean, we've, we've never been in an age like we are uh, today where, you know, you, you can go on YouTube. You can go DVD, CD, MP3. You've got, a, you know, Apple Podcast. You've got it everywhere, the Bible, teaching, preaching. And, and the sad thing is that the, the church is less respected today than what we were 20, 30, 40 years ago. But there's more preaching. There, there's, there's more community outreaches. There's all kind of stuff going on. And the world doesn't give a, give a rip about the church. Don't care. But I'm telling you, if we would just get back to the simplicity of the gospel, just go back to what Jesus is saying. If, if what you're doing hasn't been working, and this is what I did years ago, I took everything that I've been taught, and I didn't get rid of it. I just kind of put it off on the side, and I went back and just started looking at Jesus. What's Jesus saying? What's Jesus doing? And used him as my filter. And if the things that I've been taught, shown, run it through that filter, and if it doesn't match up with him, I'm tossing it. Because I want what works. I want what produces. And so I went back, and for about 10 years, I just read and reread and reread and reread John. Because, they, you know, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, but John, you, you get to see the mindset of Jesus. I want to know what he was thinking. I was one of those nerds. I would take things apart just to see why it, why it worked that way, and then could he get it back together, but you know. I want to know why this works. How does it work? And Jesus says this. He said, believe me for the sake of the works themselves if you don't believe what I'm saying. And then in verse 12, he said, most assuredly I say to you, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Now look at what Jesus said. He said, I'm in union with the Father and he's in union with me. I want you to notice that that union is supposed to produce miracles. Union with the Father is supposed to produce the miraculous in your life. To such a degree that if people don't believe what you say, there's works to prove it. Amen. Amen. That union is supposed to produce an outflow of who you're in union with. To such a degree, Jesus said, if you don't believe what I say, believe the works that come from this union. And then he goes on to say, and what I'm about to do is going to put you in a position for you to do it too. Amen. He said, the very works that I do, everything you've been seeing me do, boys, get ready because you're going to do it too. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. What was Jesus doing? He wasn't just healing the sick and casting out devils. As a man, he's raising the dead. As a man, he's multiplying food. As a man, he's walking on water. You ever thought about why Jesus walked on water? Didn't save anybody. Didn't heal anybody. Nobody got set free. Nobody got redeemed. He's out there at night by himself as a man. <laughs> proving his dominion over the earth. Making the earth sub in subjection to him all by himself. Yeah. One of those times it says he would have walked past the disciples. He was going to go past them. And they saw him, yelled up for him. Said, well, there's only knuckle nuts. They haven't figured it out yet. I guess they'll go save him. <laughs> 
But I mean, think about even that example right there. He's out there at night by himself, walking on the water as a man, anointed by God, filled with God, and union with Him. Multiply. See, people will say, all oh, the reason Jesus did it because He was God. Well, Jesus wasn't the first one to multiply food. Elisha did it. Elisha, go, go back and read back there. A lot of things Jesus did, other guys had already done it. A lot of miracles that he did, Elijah and Elisha had already done it. Jesus just did it to a greater degree. So if Jesus did it because he was God, well, what about these other jokers? Sinners, mind you. Righteousness on credit, mind you. Elisha says, Elisha, he was brought a little bit of food and he multiplied it to feed a hundred men. Both of them, Elijah and Elisha, they parted the Jordan River. I mean, Elisha wasn't even on purpose, really. He just said, hey, where's the God of Elijah? Smack. Jordan River parts, walks across. All right, got this thing going, you know. Look at the things that Jesus did. And he's doing it as a man. The things he's saying, he's saying it as a man. And he said, everything that you see, he said, the works that I do, you will do also. And then he takes it up another notch. He said, and even greater works than these you will do. Because I'm going to the Father. And I'm going to make a, a very bold statement. Don't get mad at me. But I want you to listen to what I'm saying here. Because this is where the church has got to take off our diapers and grow up really, really quick. What Jesus is telling you is this. Everything you see me do here in the Gospels, that, that should be the starting point for the church today. In other words, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. What the church should be experiencing today is at the very least what Jesus did on the earth. Let me explain it to you this way. What Jesus did on the earth, he was operating with a limited authority. But when he arose from the dead and given the great commission, and he said, now all power, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. It was the first time he said all. When he sent out the 12, when he sent out the 70, he said, I give you authority over all sickness, all disease, all demons. But when he arose with the keys of death, hell, and the grave, he arose victorious. It was the first time he said, all power, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Yeah. See, you're not, you're not in union. We're not, we're not modeling after the Jesus who walked on the earth. Right, right. I'm in union and modeling after the Jesus that's seated at the right hand of God. Yeah. That's why we should be doing greater than what Jesus did on the earth. And that's not being sacrilegious. Jesus said it himself. What you saw me do, you're going to do that, but you're going to do even greater. Yes. See, see, a really good teacher wants their students to go past them. That's what a really good teacher, a really good parent wants their children, not only to come up to their level, but to go past them. And this is what Jesus is doing with his disciples. He said, I want you to go past me. But in reality, it was still going to be Jesus doing it through them. Because yes. yes. this is what he says here. He said, and greater works than these I will do, you will do, because I go to my Father. If you go down to verse 19, he says, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Notice this phrase, because I live, you will live also. Yes. He's not talking to dead people. They're physically alive, but they're spiritually dead. He said, He's talking about that day of salvation. 
That day I'm alive. You're going to be alive too. And, and look at what it's going to produce. He said, verse 20, On that day you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. He said, this same relationship, this same fellowship, this same union that I've had with the Father that's produced all of these miracles and it's given me the authority and the standing and the position that I have with Him, you're going to have this too. You're going to have this too. And everything that you've seen me operate in, you're not going to, you're not going to only walk in that, you're going to walk in something even greater. Amen. You're going to walk in even something greater. That'll get you kicked out of most churches. Who do you think you are to say you could do more than Jesus did? I mean, to even say that about certain ministers who have died and gone on to be with the Lord the last few years, that'll get you kicked out of organizations. Who are you to think you are? You could do more than they did. Jesus is the one who said, what I did, you're going to do it, and you're going to do even better. You're going to do even greater. You're going to do even greater. You're going to do even greater. But then some people will say, well, you know, he wasn't talking about doing greater stuff. He's just talking about greater number because there's going to be more people. Well, but that's just, that's, just, that's just bringing it down into our little peanut brain to, for something that makes sense. Jesus is the one that said, all power, all authority is now mine. Amen. I mean, one example to me is, is that with Peter. Peter's just walking down the road one time. People aren't even trying to touch him. They're just trying to get near him. What if the church started thinking like that? Instead of having a prayer line where I got to lay hands on them, maybe I just line people up and I walk past them. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying I've ever done that. But, but I'm saying, I mean, you got to start thinking, what's possible? What's possible? But look what Jesus said. On that day, you'll know. Now, this word know here in the Greek, it's not talking about knowing data and facts. It's talking about experience. It's talking about intimacy between a man and a woman and intimacy, knowing. He's talking about experiential knowing. The day you get born again, he said, you should begin to experience this union. Now, now, in the modern church, we talk about experiences and encounters with God taking place when, you know, you're 80 years old and you can barely even remember your name and a walk because you're just one of those mature, wise believers, you know, one of those generals in the faith. He's saying the day you get born again, doesn't matter if you're 7, 10, 50. On that day, you'll know. Experience. Encounters. I'll never forget this. This is a year ago. This is in Canton, Georgia. Some good friends of mine... David Ashley Steinberg, pastor of Great Church there in Canton, Georgia. And there was, this, there was this girl that was there. She came in with purple hair. Kind of, kind of like New Jersey here. She came in with purple hair. And I, I saw her, and she was young. She was like 20 years old. I was like, oh, man, I love that purple hair. I wish I could pull that off. And she just kind of smiled at me, and I could tell she wasn't, wasn't into my jokes or anything. So I just walked off. And uh, so during the service, I, I was kind of telling my testimony about when I was 20. I've been running from God for a while. I grew up in church, never saw anything. Uh, we, were, we were broke. I mean, we were poor. We couldn't afford the OOR. We were just, poof. I mean, we're, just, we're broke. I mean, single wide mobile home, can't even afford to, to get water run from the street to the mobile home. So we're taking sponge baths at night behind the mobile home so nobody can see us. I mean, we're, and, uh, and I mean, but my parents are always tithing and giving, not seeing squat. I uh, heard Jesus was a healer, never saw anybody get healed. And so 
when I wasn't made to go to, to church anymore, when I left for college, I just stopped going. I'm literally questioning if God's even real. So I'm telling my story, and, and I read from God for about nine months. And anyway, long story short, I ended up at this church service and had this, this tremendous encounter with God, found out he was real. So I told this story. Well, this 20-year-old girl with the purple hair, she, uh, she's sitting over here, and there's a lady over here that was deaf in her left ear, and her ear popped open while I was just talking. She starts screaming out. My ear just got healed. It opened up. It opened. And this girl that caught her attention, this, this purple-haired girl, she didn't go to church. And uh, so at the end of the service, her and her mother come up to me, and the mom goes, hey, would you, would you mind praying with my daughter? And I said, well, what's going on? And, and the girl looked at me, and she said, well, I'm just trying to, just trying to figure some things out. And I looked at her and I said, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, I, said, I said, no amount of playing with crystals and, and you know, this witchcraft and demonic, I started naming off some stuff. And I didn't know anything about it. I just, I knew it here. And, uh, and nothing against purple hair or anything like that. But she, because uh, the purple hair. And she looked at her mom and she goes, how did he know that? <laughs> now part of me wanted to go, <laughs> you know. You just don't know how annoyed I am, you know. But, but I would just stand there and I said, look, I said, so here's the deal. I said, <laughs> I said, it, it's, just, it's just Jesus. And she goes, well, you know, that, that lady with the deaf ear that got healed, that was pretty cool. And I said, yeah, that was pretty cool. And I said, did you notice I didn't pray for her, didn't lay hands on her? She said, yeah. And I said, well, this is Jesus. And I said, you know, you're in a pretty, you're in a pretty bad spot. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, let's just be honest. You're in a pickle. Do you understand that phrase around here? Okay. So you're in, you're in a pickle. And, uh, and, and she said, how's that? I said, well, most people, they're told about Jesus. They never get to experience him. You just experience him. So for you to walk out tonight, you either reject him or you accept him. You can't walk out of here saying, I've never had any proof. I said, you're in a pretty bad spot. I said, so why don't, why, don't, why don't you just go ahead and accept him because you know he's real. She said, okay. So we, 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 we prayed, prayed on salvation prayer. And then while I'm still holding her hand, she looked at me and she goes, hey. She said, you know when you told about that experience you had when you were 20 with God and you found out God was real? And I said, yes. Yeah. She goes, I want that too. Now I'm not going to lie. On the inside, I, I literally, on the inside, I was like, God, is that even possible? Can I ask for that? Like. I've never heard anybody, but I just went with it. So, you know, there's a lot of times you, you, you think you know what you're doing. I mean, you're figuring out just like everybody else did. And so I hold her hand and I said, God, I just ask you right now to, to give her that same experience you gave me. God is my witness. This girl who doesn't go to church, doesn't know the churchy things to do in charismatic circles. She starts shaking like she stuck her finger in an electric socket. Yeah. I mean, she's shaking. And, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, I wouldn't feel a squat, but she's shaking and, uh, and this goes on for about 30 seconds. She's got her eyes closed. And she opens her eyes and she stops. And she goes, whoa. And I said, what? She goes, I've never felt anything like that. And her mom goes, what did it feel like? She said, it felt like every bone was going was gonna to shake out of my body. She said, that's better than any drug I've ever taken. <laughs> and, uh, but, and the reason I'm telling you this is from this standpoint. Jesus said, on that day, you'll experience me. 
And I'm not saying that particular type of experience, but I'm saying maybe just maybe the reason we haven't been having experiences and encounters with God, because we went to church and they told us that's not normal. Maybe because we were at church and they said, well, that's only for the really, really mature people. That's only after, you know, you, you pray in tongues for eight hours a day and you hide away like a hermit. You come away with body odor, but man, you know God. Nobody wants to get near you, but man, you know God. But I mean, how many times have we said this, that Christianity is not about rules and religion, it's about a relationship. But what's a relationship when you don't get to experience the person? That's not a relationship. You know, what kind of marriage is a successful marriage when, when you don't get to talk to them and hang out with them and be with them? It's, how's that any different than a long-distance friendship or something like that or a pen pal? Or, or do we even have pen pals anymore? Facebook friends. We all got those people, you know, they're Facebook friends. You've never met them. would never hang out with them anyway, but... Verse 20, I'm in my Father, you and me, and I am in you. I am in you. Now, this is verse, chapter 14. Now, there's still an upper room. Now, look at chapter 17. In chapter 17, Jesus prays a supernatural prophetic prayer. Now, I'm telling you, this prayer is phenomenal. If there ever was truly a Lord's prayer, it's this one. I mean, it's phenomenal. If you actually read through it, he actually prays out the entire Christian experience. I'm telling you, it's all there. The rapture. Prosperity, protection, safety, healing. It's all there. It's all there. And I want you to see what he says in verse 20. He said, I do not pray for these alone. He's praying to God. But I also pray for those who will believe in me through the word. He said, I'm not praying just for my, my disciples that are here. I'm praying for everyone who will hear this word and believe in me. Right here, he's praying for us. He's praying for us. And so this is where this prayer starts to get extra special. Because he's praying for me. And Jesus always gets his prayers answered. He's praying for me. And I want you to notice what he prayed for me and what he prayed for you. Remember, as a man, anointed by God, filled with God, he's about to go to the Garden of, of Gethsemane, turn himself over, go to the cross. This is his prayer. And I want you to notice what he's praying in, in his last moments and times here. He said, I pray, Father, that they would all be one. Who's all? Who's he praying for? Us. He said, I pray that they would be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they would be one in us. He said, I'm praying that all of us, you and me, that, that these people would have the very same union with you that I have with you. I want them to have the very same relation. I want them to have the very same position with you that I have with you. I want them and you and me to all be in union together. 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 Now remember before, Jesus said in John chapter 14, He said, believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And there's coming a day that you're going to do not just what I did, you're going to do even greater things because I'm going to the Father. What was going to the Father going to produce? This. Union with Him. I want you to notice that, that Jesus in his, in his first prayer for you isn't praying that you would go to heaven. He didn't say, God, I pray that they would go to heaven. No. See, modern Christianity, well, actually not even modern, for, for a long time, centuries and centuries and centuries, had made Christianity about the golden woolly wonka ticket to heaven. That if you get saved, thank God you get to go to heaven. 
I mean, when we go to witness to people, we tell them, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or hell? Because that's what Christianity is all about, really. Yeah. And not that that's a bad question, but wouldn't it be a better question to ask people, hey, would you like to have God living on the inside of you today? Would you like to be able to hear and see from God? To me, that's a whole lot better of a sell than you turn or burn, baby, turn or burn. <laughs> if you were to die today, you're going to feel the heat on your rear. I mean, it's going to be hot, baby, it's going to be hot. You better get Jesus. Well, you know, you can scare somebody into Jesus. Or you can love them into Jesus. I mean, I don't know about you, but to me, that's a better sales pitch. Would you like to have... I mean, I, I know you, you, you've seen some weird stuff going on with church, and you've seen all this type of stuff, but, but would you like to have God live in you? Would you like to be able to, to talk to the Creator and Him actually talk back? I mean, it's about relationship. It's about fellowship. Jesus is not praying that you would go to heaven. Now, thank God there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Thank God that when I take my last breath or Jesus returns, thank God I'm going to heaven. But that was not the focus of Jesus' ministry to change your destination. The focus of his ministry, the crowning achievement of Jesus' life and ministry was to change your position. Not your destination. See, your destination would be changed as a byproduct of your position. But see, we've been chasing the byproducts. Instead of going after the source. It's the change of your position that changes your destination and changes your possessions. But see, we've been chasing the possessions without knowing the position. And if you understand your position then everything else is just a natural byproduct. It's just a natural outflow from the position. And this is what Jesus came to do, was to change your position. He said, Father, I pray that they would be one. That the, notice that the world would believe that you sent me. Yeah. Now, now this, is, this is just kind of crazy. Because Jesus said, I want this union to be so perfect that when people see them, they would know that you sent me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You've heard the statement before. We've never really meant it the way that it should be. But how many times have you heard somebody say, or maybe you, you said it yourself, you may be the only Jesus someone ever sees. <laughs> right? But what were we talking about now? We were talking about your behavior. We were talking about your morality, your standards. No more cussing, no more sleeping around, no more smoking, no more doping, no more... None of that anymore. Because you might be the only Jesus, you know. You got that Jesus bumper sticker on your car. And you, no more flipping people off when they cut you off. No more of that. Because you may be the only Jesus that person ever sees. You know, remember, remember those days back in the 90s? We had the what would Jesus do bracelets? You know, that kept us rem remembering, you know. You might be the only Jesus. When I went in there to get a drink, uh, I got that bracelet on. My, not my. But why do we do that? Because the church is so stinking sin conscious. That's all we can think about is sin, 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 sin. It wasn't about your morality. It wasn't about your standards. It was about your union and identification with the Christ. But the church hasn't been bold enough to take that next step and realize what truly salvation is all about. Not getting you somewhere, but getting someone on the inside of you. That's what Jesus came to. He praised it right here. And verse 22, he said, And the glory that you gave me, I have given it to them, so that they would be one just as. 
In the very same way, to the very same degree, just as. That they would be one, just as we are one. See, when you become one with someone, you get their stuff. You get their stuff. That's why a lot of people look to Mary Rich, because you're going to get their stuff. Didn't work out that way for Lacey in the very beginning, because when she married me, she got my nothing. Because <laughs> when I got out of Bible school at 26 years old, I was still... <laughs> I owed money to everybody. My best friends were American Express, Discover Card, MasterCard, Visa, the IRS, everybody. But he said, the glory you gave me, I had given them so that they would be one. See, you can't be in union without having the same stuff. He said, the same glory that you gave me, I have given it to them so that they would be one. See, we're, we're praying for God to pour out His glory. What well, seems to me, Jesus said, I already gave it to them. But see, the church today doesn't understand who they are. We don't understand who we are. We're, we're trying to gain something Jesus already did for us. Why? We don't understand our position. Thank God we get to go to heaven, but I don't realize truly what redemption was all about, what salvation actually produced for me. And then for all the dumb people who didn't get it the first time Jesus said it, Jesus says it again in verse 23. Father, I pray that I would be in them and you would be in me. Jesus getting into you and the Father getting into him so it's all of us. And then notice this statement. I am in you and me that they would be made what? Perfect. Now that right there gets you kicked out of church too. Who do you think you are? Jesus said that this salvation was to be so perfect that when the world sees you, you can look at them and say, you just saw the Christ. And that's where it gets quiet. <laughs> See, the, the, the church today has been trying to act like Jesus. When in reality, we're supposed to walk as Jesus. Aren't you the body of Christ? He's the head. I'm the body. And whatever situation you are in, these are the hands of Jesus. And this is the mouth of Jesus. If you don't understand who you are, you'll always be trying to emulate him, mimic him, copy him, and you're just going to be a mere copycat with no results. Why? Because the results are going to flow from who you are, not who you're trying to copy. That's why you have to understand the mindset of Jesus and understand what, what did he see? Why was it he was actually getting results? I'm not trying to copy him. I'm not trying to copy him. I'm not trying to mimic him. I have to see myself as him on the earth. I have to see myself as the light in this world. I have to see myself as Christ on the earth. And you have to see yourself as Christ on the earth. You have to see yourself that way. You have to see yourself that way. This is what Jesus came for. This is what he's praying for. That they would be in union with us. In the very same way, I'm in union with you. And what you gave me, I've given to them that they would be one. So much so that it would be so perfect. You have to see yourself as perfect. But see, you can't see yourself as perfect if you see yourself as lacking. I don't have enough. 
I need more anointing. I need more power. I need more glory. I need more of this. I need more of that. Then you must not be perfect. Now, please understand. I understand there's a difference between maturity and perfection. There's a vast difference. But see, you understand this. If, if you've got a child, you have children, you see that child as perfect. Now, they've got a lot of growing up to do. But see, even you've got to understand that this is what righteousness is all about. And the church don't understand this either. Righteousness means you're right. Means you're perfect, you're complete, nothing missing, nothing broken. Second Corinthians five seventeen shows us how this happened. If any man be in Christ, he becomes a brand new creation, something that never existed before, and a brand new life has begun. What kind of life? The same life Jesus lives right now. Oh, how is that possible? That's not possible because Jesus is in heaven. What does that matter? Your body does not define you. He who knew no sin became sin so that I would become, not just get. Righteousness, yes, it's a gift, but it's also who I am. Righteousness of God in Christ. That means when I got in Him, I became right. I became perfect. That means even in the midst of my mess, I'm still as righteous as the Messiah. Even while I'm working out my salvation, I'm still just as righteous as Jesus is. I'm just as perfect as as Jesus is. Even while I'm working it out, even while I'm renewing my mind, it does not change the fact that I am who He is. It does not change the fact that I have what He has. It does not change that. I may not realize it all the way. I may not be walking in it, but it doesn't mean that He's withholding from me. Because He already gave it to me, I just need to know that I have it. But I can't know what I have if I don't know who I am. But this is Jesus' prayer. He's not praying for you to go to heaven. He's praying for you to become one with him. One with him. That, that, that they would be made perfect in one, verse 23. And he says it again. That the world would know that you sent me. He says it the second time in like five seconds. That salvation would be so perfect. See, you have to understand that Jesus was the prototype of the new creation. Who he would be when he came up. See, notice the Bible says he was the last Adam. I'm not even identifying with the Adam that was in the garden. I'm not of that race anymore. I'm of a new race. I'm of a new race. I'm a Christ man. Christ woman. He came up a brand new creation. And however Jesus was raised up is the way that I was raised up. When he was made alive unto, I was made alive unto. When he died to, I died to. I become something brand new, something that never existed before. But if I want to know who I am, I have to look at who he is right now. I have to look at him right now. Then I am just as right. I am righteous. I'm right. I am the rightness of who? God. In the very way God is right, I'm right. I'm perfect. I'm perfect. See, you have to understand your position because if you don't identify as your position, then you're going to identify with the condition. And the condition will move you away from your position. And then you're going to be on the outside looking in, trying to access what Jesus already provided. But if I understand my position, then I can change the condition. But too many of us are identifying with the condition. 
I get a diagnosis from the doctor. I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to. I'm not being condescending or, or, or critical. But, but you talk to people and they've dealt with an issue for five years, ten years, chronic things. And I get it. I, I understand. But all of a sudden now I'm that. I was listening to somebody on the plane today. Said 30 years ago I, I was diagnosed with this. And, you know, and so I'm this. And starts talking about all these things. And, and now my life is revolving around this condition. And, and now it's not just a condition. It's who I am. All these things have become a part of my life and my personality and, and, and the things that I have to go through and the doctor checkups and, and the medications and, and the procedures, it's just, it becomes a part of who I am. And that's why many times it's so hard dealing with people that's been in those situations for a long time because now it's become a part of who I am. And now we have to change their identity, having to get them to see themselves not as this. I don't care how sexy you think this is when you wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, hey, baby. <laughs> you are looking good today. <laughs> you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and guys, you're flexing, and you suck it in, and you, know, you put on the spanks, and man, that ain't you. It's just your body. You are a spirit. How many times have we heard that over the years? I'm a spirit, I have a soul, which is my mind, will, and emotions, and I live in a body. Okay, it makes a good t-shirt, good little poster. We don't believe it. We don't believe it. You have to understand who I, I am a spirit. And that's why I'm just like him. That's why I'm just like him. It doesn't matter that he's in heaven and I'm here. This body has no, no significance in that at all. It's not, not, it's not a player in that game at all. I'm a spirit made in his likeness, made in his image. See, we shouldn't have a problem with that because that's what, that's what God did in the very beginning. God is the one who said, let's make man in, my, in our likeness, in our image. Let's make them to be like us. All Jesus was doing was fixing what was broken. Jesus came and said, if you've seen me, you've seen him. We should be able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen him. If you've heard from me, you've heard from him. We should be in that position. But most Christians today would dare never make a comment like that. For fear of lightning coming out of the sky and striking you dead. Why would we never say something like that? Because most of us are in a position where we think, when, when I show up at the pearly gates, I'm going to slide through with the, by, by the, the sweat of my brow and get Peter a high five and say, thank God I'm me. But we don't truly see ourselves as the king on the earth reigning and ruling. See, God's command in Genesis 1.28 has not changed. When he said, go into the world, go into this earth, to me, to me that's the Great Commission too. He said, go into the earth, be fruitful, multiply it, fill it, and subdue it. That has not changed. It means make it your master, or make it your slave, and you become its master. You make it subservient to you, the earth. The earth. Isn't it very interesting that one of the last uh, miracles that Jesus does with the disciples, and, and, and his time with them is when he curses the fig tree? What's he doing? He's trying to take them up a notch. Up to this point, they've been raising the dead, casting out devils, healing the sick, blind, this and that. That shows you the level of significance the body really is. See, a lot of us are still trying to get snotty noses healed. He's trying to get us to the place where we're dominating the creation. Then when he cursed the fig tree, and that didn't get anybody saved, didn't get anybody healed. Had no ministry purpose at all. What was he doing? He was trying to elevate the disciples. Amen. 
And he said, and they're all ooh and an ah. And he said, boys, if you think that's something. See that mountain right there? Yeah. You can speak to that mountain. What's he doing? He's trying to show them. He's trying to show them some things that's possible. And in this wonderful prayer here, Jesus praying that we would have the same union. So we can walk, not just as he walked, but as he walked. Notice what I just said. He did this so we would not only walk as he walked, but we would also walk as he walked. I'll show that to you in just a second. John 17, he says in verse 23. And then verse 24, he says, And Father, I also desire that those you gave me would be with me where I am, that they would behold the glory you gave me before the foundation of the world. It's like, oh yeah, and by the way, I want them to go to heaven too. I want you to see where the priority of you going to heaven is. It's union, 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 union. By the way, I want them to go to heaven. And then he goes back to union again. Look at the very last statement. The very last thing he prays for you and I. In verse 26, he said, Father, I pray that the love with which you love me would be in them. And his very last words, and that I would be in them. His very last words were, and God, I really want them to go to heaven. No, his very last words were, Father, that I would be in them. That I would be in them. Why? Because Jesus would now be able to replicate himself. Replicate himself. How is this going to happen? 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Amen. Be in Christ. Brand new creation. Old things passed away. All things become new. This is where these scriptures, like these, these in Christ, what we call in Christ scriptures, are so vitally, vitally important because they're telling you who you are. Amen. They're telling you who you are. If there ever was a day for the church to figure out who they are, it would be today. Yes. But, 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 but it shouldn't be a surprise to us that Satan is attacking people's identities. I mean, did you ever think you'd be in the place where you're trying to figure out if you're a boy or girl? But, I mean, but it shouldn't be a surprise because it's all about identity. That's, it's yeah. all about identity. Yeah. It's all about identity. It's what he did in the Garden of Eden. Eve didn't know who she was. Yeah. So he had her to chase after something she already was and already had, which caused her to lose it. And then Adam, standing there with no backbone, went along with it, even though he knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I guess he was standing there and said, to hell with it. Because yeah. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But didn't really care, I guess, that day. I, I've told people, I, I, I just think Eve must have been something good looking. <laughs> I just don't want to mess this up. I can't go home with her mad at me, so. Oh, well. <laughs> Satan's going after identity. Yeah. We have to know who we are. So this is where you can take a lot of these scriptures that we know very, very well, like Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It's no longer I who lives. It's Christ who lives where? In me. For the life I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, in the Son of God who died and gave his life for me. And notice the next statement. I will not set aside the grace of God. Amen. That means if I'm working to try to make it work, I've stepped outside of my position, I've stepped outside of grace, and I have stepped in the works. In other words, I'm working for Faith Incorporated, working overtime, and not getting a paycheck. I've stepped outside of the grace of God. So outside of my union with him, and I'm trying to make it happen on my methods and my ABCs and my one, two, threes and my principles and my keys and my steps. And then I'm frustrated and like, why in the world is this not happening? Why is it not working? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. That's the problem. 
The only job, I mean, unless you can show me, and, and, and you show me, and I'll admit it wrong, but the only job that I found for the new covenant believer, the only real work that we're supposed to do is abide. Abide. Abide in them. Jesus said, John 15, verse 4, 5, and 6 in there. He said, I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will produce much fruit. Where does fruit get produced? By abiding. How do I abide? I mean, he put me in the position, but how do I abide? It's about my mind. It's about my perspective. It's about what has my consciousness. What has my awareness? What has my affections? What has, or you can say it like this. What, what moves my soul? Don't tell me you're in faith, but you're depressed. I'm not trying to be mean, but don't tell me you're in faith but you're crying and you're, you're having to take you know, anxiety medications up, but, I, but I'm believing, brother. No, no, no. Because in reality, we've taken the, the, the truth of the soul and we haven't really given it its place. Because your emotions are, in reality, a very, very good indicator of what you truly believe. You can say whatever you want, but if the things of the world are moving your emotions, it's because it's moving your faith. See, I'll put it to you like this. I'm at the place right now, what I've been seeing in Scripture and, and, and things that are going on, I really don't think it's been much of a faith issue for the believer. I think it's an awareness issue. We're not aware of who we are and what we have. Because see, you are, you are a faith child of a faith God. You use your faith all the time. But the problem is, we're more accustomed to using our faith on the sin side, on, on the cursed side, than we are on the God side of things. You realize that your body will respond to your soul? Think about the last time that you got worried. What happens to your body? Your heart begins to... You start to watch your immune system start to kind of... Come on, your skin starts to get a little flushed, flustered. Your body responds to your soul. Don't tell me that your soul, that your thoughts, your imaginations don't matter. They do matter. Whatever has your affection, that is what has your faith. That's what has your faith. And Jesus said, do you abide in me and I abide? How do I abide? It's right here. It's no different than what he said in Psalm 91. Whoever dwells. Come on. We quote Psalm 91, 91 all the time. We were quoting it during COVID, but we weren't quoting it right. All we were focusing on was a thousand fall at one side, ten thousand on another, but it shall not come near me. No plague or calamity shall come near this tent. What we should have been focusing on uh, was becoming aware of Him. Because if I become aware of Him, that's what puts me in the position of a thousand falling one side, ten thousand, but nothing coming near me and harming me and hurting me. Amen. Me dwelling here, abiding in Him having my affections, my consciousness, Him having my soul. I mean, He already has me as a spirit, but He has to have my soul. This is where Paul tells you, renew your mind. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change in the way that you see and you think so that you can prove, not that God can prove, so you can prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Wow. He says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, you set your mind on the realities of heaven, for you died. You're a dead person yeah. to this world. Yeah. And your new life is hidden with Christ in God. Your job, my job, our responsibility is to change the way that I think so that I can abide in my position so that the possessions that come with that position will flow from who I am. Yeah. We were never meant to save ourselves and we, and we understand that. 
But we haven't understood we were never meant to heal ourselves either. I've been this sounds strange coming from a guy who pushes healing. I've been telling people who come to our healing conferences, stop trying to get healed. Because if you could have done it, you would have already done it. Healing wasn't supposed to be a job. It was supposed to be a part of who I am. That when I stepped into him, all that he is stepped into me. One of my favorite scriptures is Colossians chapter 2. Verse 6, he says, as you have received him, and that's billions of people. As you've received him, now walk in him. See, he's trying to take you up to another level. He's trying to take you up to a place where you have experiences and encounters with God. And you get results just like Jesus. He said, you received him. That's good. You're going to heaven. Thank God for that. But now I want you to walk in. I want you to have your life in him. I want you to have your identification in him. Come on, Ephesians chapter 5. We hear it all the time in wedding ceremonies. They become bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. But Paul says, I'm not really talking about a man or a woman. I'm talking about you and Jesus. You become so one with him. You become so one with him. He said, as you've received him, now walk in him. He said in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, it's in him that I live. And it's in him that I move. It's in him that I have my, I have my, I have my being. I have my life. We're in him. Amen. How can I have my life looking at myself? I can't produce that. But once I begin to see myself in him, one with him, as him. I'm not saying I am Jesus. I would never say that. He is the vine and I am the branch. And I am absolutely 100% dependent on him. But even Jesus said it himself. He said, it's the Father only inside of me doing the works. But then he also goes over here and he says, but if I don't do the works, don't believe me. Which one is it, Jesus? You sound a little schizophrenic. Come on. Sounds like split personality. Is it God or is it you? It's both. It's union. Jesus said in John 5, he said, the Father's always working and I am always working. It, it is a dream team. It is a joint working together of you and him. But we cannot get the results if we're not aware of him. We cannot get the results if we're not conscious of him. I cannot get the results if I identify with the condition instead of identifying with the position of being in union with him. That's why he went on from Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. As you receive him, now walk in it. And he goes on to verse 9 and 10. And I love it, love it, love it. Because he said, Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Stop right there, period. Stop right there. He's the fullness of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, wrapped up in a body. And if he stopped right there, we would say, praise God. But he didn't stop right there. He went on and said, and you are complete in him. You are complete in Him. It's right there in your Bible. Doesn't matter what denomination. Doesn't matter what country, what state, what city, what region. He's talking about the believer. The brand new creation in Christ Jesus. He said you are complete. That means nothing missing, nothing broken. That means God is not withholding anything. Anything. But we've got a disease in the church today where we think this, this, He's a good, good Father. But he's holding out on me. He gave me COVID-19. <laughs> but he's a good, good father. No, he's a good, good father because he gave me everything I would already, always need. 
But where did he give it to me? Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. He has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Every, this is the Chad and Jake version. Everything heaven has to offer, he's already given it to me. Where is it at? Okay, now I've got to figure out how to get it. Where is it at? It's in Christ. Well, if it's in him, and that means I've gotten him, that means everywhere that I go, no matter what situation that I'm in, no matter where that I'm at, all the resources of heaven are available right there. And I don't have to beg God, plead God, and try to do all these works and pull these levers and pulleys and, and try to find the right knob and, and all this type of stuff to try to get God to do something when he already gave it to me. I just need to know who I am. But see, we've done a real good job of learning of our possessions over the years. That I've got the, that these things are my right in Christ. That Jesus already paid the price. That it's mine. Now I just need to get it. That's, that's where most of the faith camp is at today. He paid the price. Thank God for it. He paid the price. Redemption has made it mine. Now I just need to receive it. Well, why would I need to receive something that's already been given to me? Let, let me throw a, a, a healing scripture that's most on. 1 Peter 2.24. If you ask most Christians what does 1 Peter 2.24 say, they'd say, well, by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. Kind of. There's more to it than just that last little piece on healing. Because in reality, it's not so much a healing scripture as it is a righteousness scripture. So you have a, you died to sin. So you could live for righteousness. Your position by whose stripes you were healed. In other words, the healing is the byproduct. Righteousness is the source. The thing that we've been seeking, we've been chasing the byproduct. But if we, would, if we would go after the source and understand the source, then the byproduct comes from the source. So instead of me focusing on by the stripes of Jesus where you, you were healed, I need to focus on the fact I'm the righteousness of God. I need to focus on my position of who I am in Him. Because if I can get that through this little peanut, then all the benefits of that will flow from that place. Will flow from that place. Will flow from that place. But if you, if you want to focus on the last part, okay, we can focus on the last part. By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. And that's what we say. I believe that by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Now I just need to get it. Or, or, or let, let's get, just get real church a bit. I just need to receive it now. Well, but why would you need to receive something you were made? I mean, it's just a question. But I mean, it's a legitimate question. These are questions I ask and I get in trouble for. But I want to know. Inspiring minds want to know. I want to know. I mean, even my son asked that one time. Was sitting in a service one time, and the preacher for 45 minutes said that healing, it's already ours. Jesus already paid the price. By the, by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. And at the end, said, everybody that needs healing, come up here to receive it. And my son said, that doesn't make sense. Because why would you? I mean, this is just an honest way. And we, we need to ask these questions. If it's already mine, why do I need to receive it? Why do I need to come get it if it's already mine? Let me put it to you like this. When you read through Jesus' teachings to the disciples and to the Pharisees, and stuff, Jesus is, is, a lot of times, he's just talking about believing. Believe for it. Believe for it. Believe, 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 believe. 
But you look at the writings of Paul, and he's talking about walking it. Walk in it. Why not? Let me put it to you this way. I'm, I'm not saying I'm right. I don't think I'm wrong, but I'm not saying I'm right. But, <laughs> it's my disclaimer, but I mean, but this is where my mind's been going. <laughs> why, do I, why do I need to believe for something I already have? It's just a question. Don't get mad, but it's just a question. Why do I have to believe for something I already have? If I already have it, then I don't need to receive it. I don't need to get it. I just need to know I have it. I just need to know I have it. But once I begin to understand who I am, once I begin to, let me put it to you like this. Remember over in Romans, uh, it's talking about Abraham. And it says that Abraham, he did not consider his own body as being dead. Right? He didn't consider what? He didn't consider his body. You know, you know, when the Bible says you're old, you're old. He was old. Sarah was past the age of having children. They're old. But it says that Abraham, he didn't consider, you could say he didn't identify with his condition. He identified with his position. And he had a far less position than you. He identified with his covenant that he had with God. He identified with that. And then what did God do? He changed his name. So here's this old dude walking around saying, I'm a father of many nations. Yeah. And, and him and his wife don't even have a child. But what's he doing? He's getting to this place. I'm getting to the place I'm abiding. I'm changing my perspective. I'm changing my mindset. It wasn't that God was withholding. He's trying to get Abraham to a place. But see, that was under the old covenant. You and I are under the new covenant of grace. Where Jesus has already paid the price and he's already worked his tail off. He already did everything so that you and I didn't have to work. That you and I could just step into the inheritance and share it with him. See, the church, we still don't realize today that you, know, you read the story about the prodigal son. We'll, 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 we'll stop here. We read the story about the prodigal son. And man, we talk about the prodigal son. How he was a wicked guy. He went out hanging out with the... The girls, I see the young people hanging out with the girls, and, and, and then he's out there eating pig slop, and he, he spent all of his inheritance, spent all of his daddy's money, and then he comes back, and, and he's coming apologizing and saying, I'm sorry, and, and dad, uh, you know, he, he puts a robe on his back and puts a ring on his finger, and he, he goes and kills a fatted calf and throws a party, and man, we identify with that. But we never talk about the good boy. We never talk about the good boy. Because you got this other good boy. You got this boy. He was the good one. He wasn't the bad one. He was the good one. And, and he stayed there and he served his dad the whole time. He did everything right. He serves his dad. He does everything right. doesn't do anything wrong. He's saying the right things. He's making the right confessions. He's doing the right stuff. He's reading his Bible every day. He's, he's praying in tongues 15 minutes a day. He's tithing. He's serving and giving in the church. I mean, he's doing all this stuff. And he gets really, really mad at his dad when he throws a party and gives the, gives the, gives the, you know, the, the Louis Vuitton jacket to the other son and, you know, gives an Angus beef, you know, steak dinner for the boy and puts on, you know, five carat diamond ring on his ring, on his finger and gets mad. And what does the dad say? He said, everything that I have 
It's already yours. Remember, he divided up the inheritance between them both. They already got their inheritance. But the dad said, not just what I gave you. Everything I have, it's already yours. You could have had a party whenever you wanted to. You could have had ten rings on your fingers if you want. You could have wore a coat every single day, a new one, if you wanted to. Everything I have is already yours. But see, the church doesn't identify with him. We identify with the, the sinner. We don't identify as the, the righteous son. But see, even that boy didn't know who he was. And that's the church today. We don't know who we are. So instead of going out and having our own steak dinner and, and having our rings and having our jackets and having our healing or having whatever it is, we're sitting there and saying, all right, God, I see what you did for that person. I see what you did for that person. Why won't you do that for me? Why won't you do that for me? And God's saying the same thing. Everything I have is already yours. And that was under the old covenant. That was under the old covenant. That's why Paul said, you received him. See, look, uh, this is where the, there's the connector. When I received him, when I received Jesus, I received the other stuff. I just need to receive my healing. Yeah, but when you received him, did you receive him? Well, if I received him, that must mean I received, because when I received him, I got it. When I received him, I got all the other stuff. Because all the other stuff is in him. Why, why would you be focused on a particular apple when you got the whole orchard? <laughs> but we think he's holding out on us. That's why we identify with the woman that came to Jesus to touch the hem of his garment. We still see ourselves as a sinner trying to get to Jesus to touch the hem of his garment so that his healing power can flow out of him and flow into me. I still identify with that person. We identify as Jairus. We identify as the widow woman. We identify as the centurion. We identify with all those people instead of identifying as the Christ. We see ourselves as a woman with the issue of blood pressing through the crowd and confessing and working and, and doing all these things to try to get my healing. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'd be healed. But we don't realize that when I got born again, the Christ got on the inside of me, and I got on the inside, the healer got on the inside of me, and I got on the inside of the healer. I'm not just trying to touch him anymore. I'm not praying that, that Jesus won't pass me by. How could he pass me by when he got on the inside of me? I'm not identifying anymore as that woman. I'm not identifying anymore as Jairus. I'm not identifying as them. I'm identifying as the one with the perfect salvation, the righteousness of God, where the sinner's trying to come and touch me. I'm not trying to touch Jesus' garment anymore. He gave me a garment of salvation and a robe of righteousness. Maybe you need to touch yourself. Maybe you need to touch your own robe because it's the same robe. It's the same righteousness. It's the same position. It's the same perfect salvation. Perfect. It's all about union with Him. And see, if you focus in on that, you can't focus in on you. And it's not about my confession and my works and my this. It's about Him. It's about Him on the inside of me and Him living through me and speaking through me and thinking through me and working through me and raising the dead through me. Come on, causing the blind to see through me and the deaf to hear. This, and this isn't something for some healing evangelist. That's not even in the Bible. That's just another excuse someone came up with so they didn't have to do it. 
Because healing is a part of the Great Commission, which is for every believer. Yes, we see different ministry gifts in this. But healing is a part of the, the, the salvation message. You cannot separate forgiveness and healing. They go together. And Jesus always used the healing piece to prove that the message of forgiveness, the message of righteousness was actually true. This is for all of us. It's for all of us. It's for all of us not only to walk in for ourselves, it's also for all of us to give away to the world. Maybe if we actually believe we already had it, we wouldn't be waiting on God to pour out His Spirit for another special last move. Maybe maybe we would already be having a move right now because we actually thought, I already have the glory, I already have the power, I already have the righteousness, I already have the dominion. I have what I need to start it right now. But where is the church? We're, We're in church crying and praying and fasting. God, pour out your power. God, pour out your glory. God, give us this. Because we don't think we have enough. But isn't it interesting, the people in, in the book of Acts, the first church, the early church, they didn't pray the way we pray. Isn't it interesting that Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesians, Paul wasn't praying, Father, give them that dead-raising power. Paul prayed, Father, open their eyes and help them to see. They have this dead-raising power that you exerted when you raised Jesus from the dead. They have it on the inside of them. Open their eyes and help them to see that they have it. But the church today is, Father, give us that dead-raising power. And Paul was praying, Father, open their eyes and show them they've already got it. Maybe, just maybe, if we would start praying like Paul, and instead of your favorite YouTube preacher, we'd actually see results. <laughs> she got me. She got me. That is true. Because I could be wrong. I don't think I am. But it's about him. Colossians 1, 27, the mystery of this gospel, this great gospel, the simplicity of this almost too good to be true news. It's what? It's about Christ in us. The hope, the expectation of the glory of God. Why did I expect the glory of God? Because he gave it to me. That means everywhere that I go, I am a dispenser of the glory of God waiting to pour it out on somebody. Come on, I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here's my handle and here's my spout. Tip me over and pour me out on a cancer. Pour me out on a COVID-72. Pour me out on monkeypox, rhinopox, chickenpox, whatever kind of pox they want to come up with. Their pox, their poo will wipe it out. <laughs> Not because I'm... <laughs> Not because I'm something special, but because the special one that got on the inside of me. The one who got on the inside of me. That way when I stand before a what seems to be a tough situation, when I go to put my hands on them, I see through the eyes of faith and with my imagination, this is no longer Chad's hand. This is the hand of Jesus about to be put on your body. I've been doing it that way the last couple of months. Sounds a little unorthodox, but my God, we've been seeing results. I'll shut up after this. There was this lady. 
<laughs> this is up in this is in Michigan City, Indiana. This lady, she'd been, she said she'd been saved about 20 years. She had had all kind of issues going on all in her back and her spine and shoulder stuff. Lots and lots of pain, could barely move around. And I walked up to her. I was going to lay hands on her. And I stopped. I said, man, wouldn't it be great for Jesus to put his hands on you? would be a lot better than me. She said, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I said, close your eyes. She closed her eyes. I started describing Jesus. I should have won a second Oscar. I mean, I was describing him. I, I was saying what he's wearing, what he, how he's acting, what, he, what he's looking like. He's smiling. And I said, do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? Yeah. And I said, Jesus is about to put his hands on you. I said, I want you to put your hands out. She puts her hands out. I said, do you see Jesus standing before you, smiling at you? And she said, yeah. I said, do you see that fire coming out of his eyes? She said, yeah. I said, he's about to put his hands in your hands right now. You ready? And she said, yeah. And I said, three, two, one. I said, here's Jesus' hands right now. We did this for about five minutes. I said, here's Jesus' hands. And I put my hands on her hand. All of a sudden, she falls back into her chair. And a few seconds later, she opened up her eyes. She goes, my God. And I said, what? She said, she said, it felt like I put my, uh, like grabbed hold of a, a live wire. Yeah. I said, I'm glad you felt something. I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel anything. Because she stood up healed. All the pain was gone. She was able to move around, breathe, and stuff like that. And we've got video. She, she told me at the end of the service, she said, I've been saved 20 years. I've never felt anything like that before. But the Lord reminded me about that. See, I've been working with people for them to see him ministering to them and stuff like that. But the Lord reminded me in one of those services not too long after that. He said, you haven't been doing the same thing to yourself. You've been getting... You've been getting other people to see Jesus ministering to them. You haven't been seeing yourself as me ministering to them. So I've been working on that. And hey, made a difference. Why? Because I'm preaching union. But then sometimes you start to get tired. You start to get a little weary. And then flesh starts talking. And now I'm starting to kind of feel a little bit more chatty than Jesus is. But what do I got to do? That means I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to not longer, I'm starting to not abide like I should. What do I need? My one job. My one work. I need to come back over here. I need to start abiding in Him. I need to start bringing my thoughts and my affections back over to Him. See, I can control that. You can control that. You can control what has your affections. Even in the midst of chaos, He can be more real to you than any other thing that's going on. I'll never forget my, my, one of my last days. I went to, to Raymond Bible Training Center, Bible College, back in the early 2000s. And I remember my, my last class with Kenneth A. Hagan. It was the last year he was on the earth. And he made this statement. He said, I'm 86 years old. And he said, at this point in my life, God is more real to me than my wife who sleeps in bed next to me. And I remember sitting there at 26, year old, 26 years old. And I remember listening to that. At first, I thought he was crazy. I thought that for, about, for a couple of seconds. I man, that'd be nuts. There's no way. But then there was the part of me who hungered and longed. And I said, all right. If that's true and that's available, I want that. So I'm going after it. And I'm not saying I'm there yet, but there have been some times I was there. I mean, there's been times in, in services and things are going on. I mean, I, I'll tell you this and then I'll, then I'll stop. A couple weeks ago, I was down in Columbia. We were kind of talking about some, some things. The service went on for almost four hours. And we're not, that's not going to happen tonight. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I've got the last name Gonzalez, but I don't really speak Spanish well, so I had an interpreter. And I had my eyes closed, she, and the interpreter had her eyes closed. 
and we're just going along and got, got a little bit kind of into some prophecy and stuff. And I mean, God became so real at that point that, that I actually just, I yelled it out, he's here, like Jesus is here. And like, the, the only way I know how to describe it, you know, talking about the, the glory, uh, many times when people talk about the glory, this, this weightiness, and like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. It felt like someone was just pushing on me. And like, I just dro I dropped to the ground, fell down on the ground. At the same time I fell, my interpreter fell. Both of our eyes are closed. We don't know what's going on. And several people up there did. And as we're talking to them after, everybody felt the same thing. Was talking about like this just weight amount I couldn't take anymore and just bam. And we're out. People are getting healed all over the place. Friends, I'm telling you, there, there is a, a level of Christianity that we can get to where it's not it's not boring. It's not a work. Where we experience him, we hear from him, we see from him. To the point we literally can be amongst the people of the world and tell them, if you've seen me, you've seen him. We can get to the point where we can start having some experiences like Peter, that people just get around us and miracles start happening. Why? Because there's such an outflow of him coming through it that I'm so conscious of my union with him that all of him has permeated every single cell and fiber of my being that now there's nowhere else for it to go so it has to just start going out. And it starts getting on people. And it starts affecting situations. It starts affecting situations. It starts affecting situations. It starts affecting cancers and tumors and, and viruses and diseases and, and spines and backbones and growths and, and eyes and ears. Things just start to beginning to flow. Why? Because I just start to get conscious of them. Not because I tried to work something up. Because I just became conscious of them. Because I became conscious of it. See, it's amazing what happens when you become conscious of someone. Your actions change. Remember growing up when you were conscious that mom and dad were in the room? There were some things you didn't do. But when you knew mom and dad weren't there, there were some other things that you did. What? Consciousness changes everything. Your awareness changes everything. Your awareness changes your perspective. Your awareness changes your actions. Your awareness changes, your, it changes the whole situation. Yes. What you're aware of, what has your consciousness, what has your affections. What has your affections has your faith. And whatever has your faith, it will always produce. You, you're not having faith failures. You're, you're not having faith problems. You've got the faith of Jesus Christ himself. Faith of God is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. We want to talk about I've got the love of God. I've got the peace of God. I've got the joy of the Lord. But to say I've got the faith of God, ooh, who do you think you are? I've got his faith. I can move my... I mean, think about it, guys. If mustard seed faith, if little bitty faith would move a mountain, it must take microscopic stuff to remove a tumor. It must take faith so... So small, you, you can't even see it with the greatest microscope to get rid of a flu or a virus. We think it's big. Jesus was trying to take them on the mountains. This, this dead raising stuff is little stuff. This casting out devil is little stuff. He's trying to expand. He wants us to do greater. Amen. But you can't do greater if you don't see yourself as one with him. You don't see yourself as one with him. Come on, who in here, you had some stuff going on when you came in here and, you, and you're checking yourself right now. You, you kind of forgot for the last 
five hours that you had it. Come on, it can be little stuff that you consider. Pain in a shoulder, joint, back. Maybe you're gassy and not you're gassy anymore. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's, let's just close our eyes for a second. Let's do, let's do a little abiding here. I'm done preaching. Let's just do a little abiding here. Abide. I want you to just close your eyes. Just focus in on Him. Let Him have your affections. Let Him have your consciousness. Let Him have your awareness. See, this, this right here, what we're doing right here, this is what we need to do every day. Just spend a little time. Yes. Pulling aside. I know we're busy. I'm busy. But I, I, gotta, I have to consciously and intentionally pull aside sometimes and just focus in on Him. Thank God for the times when I'm driving, I can just drive and pray in tongues or be on a lawnmower and pray in tongues. But sometimes I need to get away from all the busyness and the affairs of life and just focus in on Him and who He is in me. That life of God that flows in me and flows through Him flows so mightily like the mighty rushing Mississippi River that flows out of me, flows out of my position. Flows out of my righteousness and flows into my body. Flows into my body to the point that my body becomes, starts to become just as right as who I am. That the righteousness of who I am as a spirit starts to get off in my body. That just as Christ is right now, seated at the right hand of God, so am I in this world. As He is, not the one who walked on the earth, but the glorified risen Christ, as He is right now, so am I. Healed, righteous, rich, full of joy, full of peace, as He is. Look at Him right now so you can see how you are. See how He is so you can see how you are. He's your mirror. Just like James said, you look into the, look into the mirror of the Word. What do you need to do? You need to look at Him. He is the Word. Look at Him so you can understand who you are. Look at Him so you can understand what you have. Look at Him so you can understand what you can walk in. Look at Him so you can understand what's possible for you. Look at Him to see what's happening on the inside of you. That I'm no longer, no longer the sick trying to get healed. I am the righteousness of God and healing power flowing in my body. I've already received of Him and all that He is. Now I'm just going to make the decision I'm going to walk in it. Because I'm going to walk in Him. As I live in Him and move in Him and have my being in Him, my being lines up with who He is. That it's Jesus just using this body. The life that I live in this flesh, I live by faith in Him. I live by faith in Him. I live by faith in the Son of God. Why would I need to do that? Because everything on the outside is telling me I'm not one with Him. Everything on the outside is telling me I'm not good enough. Friend, let me tell you something. You don't have to get good enough to be healed. If every person who came to Jesus that got healed was a sinner, my God, you're more than good enough as a saint, as a child of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. If you are righteous, you're more than good enough. The Bible says that you are perfect. He forever justified. He forever perfected. He forever perfected. He forever perfected those who are being sanctified. That means even while you're working out your salvation, you're perfect. Even while you're growing in the things of God, 
you're perfect. Even while you're conforming to the image of Him, you're perfect. You're more than good enough. You're right. You're righteous. You're right. You're righteous. And the contents of who you are was made by God, created by God, intended by God to affect your body. Who you are on the inside was made to affect what's on the outside. On the inside of you is greater than any pharmacy that's on every corner. There's medicine from heaven on the inside of you to not only heal you, but also keep you in divine health, yes. produce miracles in your life, produce miracles through you for other people. It's a medicine that will flow unhindered into your body. It will have no side effects. It has no cost. You already have it on the inside of you because you're one with Him and He's one with you. What Jesus prayed for has already been accomplished and already been done by the blood of Jesus. Redemption has already done it. It's made you right. It's made you right. And if it made you right, it also made you whole. It also made you whole. See, right now you are the wholeness of God in Christ. You are the healed of God in Christ. You're cancer free in God in Christ. Come on, you're growth free, tumor free. Blurry vision free. Ringing ears free. Come on, right now, cartilage growing. Cartilage growing in joints where, where it's been messed up and, and, and been missing. Cartilage growing in joints. Come on, spines being elongated. Where they were crushed and where, where they were pushed down. Miracles taking place in, in spines right now. Those things being elongated. I'm telling you, accidents that took place. Car accidents and the spines were crushed and, and pushed down. And the cartilage has been pushed down and, and discs have been, been moved. Come on, spines being healed of that right now. The healing power of God flowing into spines. Flowing into those spines right now. Flowing into those knuckles. Flowing into those joints. And arthritis being burned out. The fire of God burning in bodies. And burning out these things. The lightnings of God flashing through the body. Jolts of electricity of God flowing through the body. Flowing out of who you are as a spirit being made in His image and in His likeness. The light of God. The lightnings of God flowing through your body. Flowing into your body and flowing into organs and rejuvenating. Putting light in those dark spots in the lungs. Putting light in the dark spots in your brain. Hallelujah. Praise be unto God. Praise be unto God. Hallelujah. Come on, son. So there's a little bit of a tapping into a flow now. Things are starting to flow. Things are starting to flow. See, we've been abiding. We've been talking about Him. We've been putting our mind on Him. been giving Him our affections for the last three hours. And now things are beginning to flow. Things are beginning to flow. Things are beginning to flow. Remember, he said, you abide in me and fruit will be produced. It wasn't your job to produce the fruit. He'll produce the fruit through abiding, by dwelling. He's the vine and you are the branch. And whatever flows through that vine, it flows through the branch unhindered. It flows through the branch 
despite what you've done, despite where you've been, despite who you are, the reason it flows is because you're hooked up to the vine. And he's the one that hooked you up and he made you good enough and righteous enough. He made you right enough that he could be hooked up with you and you could be hooked up with him. Think about it, friends. God, he's holy, he's righteous, he's pure. And yet for him to become one with you, you would have to be just as holy, just as righteous, just as pure. That means there cannot be one small, minute flaw in you for you to be united with him. He in his perfection, to be united with you, you have to be just as perfect. You have to be just as perfect as him for him to become one with you. That's why he gave you the same glory. So you could be one with him. That's why he made you to be just as right. So that he could be one with you. Why? So that all of him could flow in you. You're wall to wall, top to bottom, all the way around. Filled to the full and overflowing with him. You as a spirit being made in his image and in his likeness. You're just like your father. You're just like your older brother. He's your twin. And you're just like him. He made you to be like him. He's the firstborn among many brothers. He was the first to be raised from the dead. So that you could be raised up and made alive in the God in him. Just like him. So you can experience all that he experiences right now. Right now. Right now. He may be in heaven. You may be on the earth. You can experience what he experiences right now. You can have the very same fellowship with God that Jesus has right now. Come on, the flow of life that flows in him can flow in your body right now. The glory, the light that shined in him on the inside. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light on the inside of you. The glory of God on the inside of you, reverberating through every organ, through every bone, through every nerve, through every vein, artery, through every cell. Come on, replacing, rejuvenating, restoring, dissolving, creating. Not because of you, but because of who He is in you. Because of who He is in you. But because of who He is in you. Because of who He is in you. Come on. Your bones are His bones. Your heart is His heart. Your lungs, His lungs. Your brain is brain. Your neck is neck. Your ears is ears. Your eyes are... You're one with Him. One spirit with the Lord. One with Him. One with Him. I walk in Him. Come on. If you've been having a hard time walking, you might need to stop walking in you and start walking in Him. Take a step in Him. Take a step in Him. Walk in Him. Every step I take, I take in Him. You are my way, Jesus. Whoever thought that kitty song would actually preach. Every move I make, I make in you. Every move I make with my shoulder, I make it in you. Every move I make with my knee, I make it in you. Every move I make with my back, my hips, my joints, I make it in you. Come on. The, 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 the kidneys that weren't functioning properly begin to function right now. The pancreas that, that wasn't producing properly begins to produce right now. Come on. The, 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 the numbness that, that's in your feet and in your toes just don't wiggle up. 
as they begin to get feeling back again, the blood begins to flow, the nerves begin to talk, the synapses begin to fire, things begin to fire, and things begin to work like normal, like righteous people once again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Miracles are normal for the believer. The supernatural is natural for the believer. Healing is normal for us because it's a part of who we are. It's a part of my identity. It's a part of who I am. It's a part of who I am. Come on, walking without pain, that's normal for me. Bending down and touching my toes, that's normal for me. My ears hearing right and properly, that's normal for me. My eyes seeing 2020, that's normal for me. Come on, my brain functioning the way it's supposed to, that's normal. My skin being the way that it's supposed to be, that's normal. There was a, a, a lady that, that sent in a testimony a few days ago. She said she'd been dealing with a rash on her body for 10 years. She had done everything she was supposed to do, followed all the Christian steps and Christian keys and one, two, three, and nothing was working. She said she started listening to some of the things that we were talking about, and she just forgot about the rash. Started using her imagination to see herself like an IV hooked up to heaven. And the, the fluid of God, the life of God flowing out of him and flowing into her body. And she said one day she woke up and realized the rash had been gone. And she forgot she couldn't even figure out when it disappeared. But she hadn't been itching. It had been gone from her whole body for weeks. What was she doing? She was giving God her affections. She stopped giving her body her affections, the rash her affections. And she started using her imagination. The God-given imagination to begin to see him and her as one together again. And all that flows in him at the throne of God. The place of preeminence. The highest place of authority and power in the universe. And she began to see herself as hooked up and united with him. That what flows in him beginning to flow into her. And flow into her. And flow into her. And not trying to get healed anymore. Not trying to get set free anymore. Not trying to get delivered anymore. Just abiding in him. Dwelling in him. So that a thousand would fall on one side. And ten thousand at another. But it shall not come near her. And what had already come near her would have to run away in terror. Because of who you're one with. Because of who you're one with. Because of who you're one with. I'm telling you right now, there's some of you in here that has some back issues and you really just need to stand up and check it out and you'll notice there's some freedom there. There's some of you that were having a hard time walk because of some ankle injuries and foot injuries. If you'll just start to walk around, maybe jump up and down, kick somebody, you'll find out. <laughs> you'll find out some things are working the way that they're supposed to be working. There's some of you that came in here with some chronic pain. And you just forgot about it. And just as you begin to check things right now, you realize it left a long time ago, but you don't know when, but it ain't there anymore. I dare say that, that there's somebody in here that was having some heart issues as far as the timing. 